Hey everybody, how are you out there in podcast land? It is time for episode 95 of the Fortress of Rock. Taping is always Friday night. In this instance, June the 9th, 2023, I am the maestro Kevin Crane, trying to make it through <coughs> through all the Canadian fire smoke the wildfire smoke drifting throughout the U.S. We'll get through it, kids. We always get through it. Going to be a shorter episode this week. I will tell you that right up front. Outside of the breakdown segment, where we have a ton of music to talk about, a little bit lean this week on music news and, um, you know, Doc Brown and I are going to take a very short, short trip back in time with the DeLorean in segment three, but we're still here for you. Hour and a half, hour and 15, 50 minutes, doesn't matter. We will always be here for you every Friday night on the Fortress of Rock. So let us start off with segment one. As always, our tribute to Queen and Freddie Mercury. It is time for News of the World, our look at the headlines in the world of rock and roll. New stuff really, really potentially far back on the horizon, but good news to hear nonetheless, because it didn't seem like Ann and Nancy Wilson were getting along very well. Of course, Ann, one of the greatest rock female lead singers of all time. Hell, one of the greatest rock lead singers of all time. Out on her own with her own band. Nancy, her sister, out on the road with her own band. But news comes down from Nancy Wilson this week that the dynamic duo from the Northwest is working on new songs. And they're saying they sound like a throwback to their late 70s heyday. Thank the heavens above. Nobody wants any more keyboard-coded, pastel-colored 80s garbage anymore. I'm not ripping on the 80s, kids. You know that. I love, love, love the 80s. But there were bands like Heart that sold their souls to make a buck and gave up on their signature sound. Good to hear that Hart is going back to that signature sound, by all accounts, based on Nancy Wilson. Guns N' Roses have been sound-checking a new song. Again, with Guns N' Roses, it's new in quotes. A lot of the stuff they've been throwing out there as new songs are actually rehashed, revamped, redone versions of studio outtakes from the Chinese democracy sessions. But they've been sound checking, perhaps. So those of you who are going to see Guns N' Roses live this year in 2023 might get to hear perhaps. And maybe they will polish it up or have polished it up and they will release it officially like they did with Hard School, 
I still want a full album. I still want more. Absurd, of course. The other song from that Chinese democracy era that now was Slash and Duff in the fold, giving it that harder edge. But again, expecting a new album from Guns N' Roses is like expecting the sun to rise in the West. It's just not going to happen. Brilliant businessman that he is, Sammy Hagar. News comes out that he has launched the Cabo Wabo Beach Club in Huntington Beach, California at a ritzy, fancy resort out there in Huntington Beach. I might have my differences with Sammy Hagar. I might think sometimes he talks out of both sides of his mouth. But the one thing I will never, ever say about Sammy Hagar is that he is not, number one, a smart, shrewd businessman, and number two, that he is not a giving human being. And this project he's got going on right now with the Cabo Wabo Beach Club covers both bases. All the personal net proceeds that Sammy gets from the recently opened Cabo Wabo Beach Club will go to the Children's Hospital of Orange County out there in California. So again, my second favorite Van Halen lead singer, my favorite rock and roll entrepreneur, strikes again. And again, it's all positive. So let's do our pivot. As Ross Geller said in that classic episode of Friends, pivot, pivot to the negative. We go from a generous, benevolent soul, one Sammy Hagar, to an evil, nasty human being. Yes, it's your weekly Roger Waters update. Now the U.S. State Department, yes, the United States Department of State, the official title, has condemned Roger Waters after his recent antics overseas. We talked about the concerts where he's wearing the thinly veiled version knockoff of a Nazi uniform, and again, flying the inflatable pig with the Star of David on it. So now the U.S. State Department has come out and said, Roger Waters has a, quote, direct quote, a long track record of using anti-Semitic tropes. And again, we'll probably hear Eric Clapton and Tom Morello come out in defense of Roger Waters. Tom Morello, I've I've said over and over on this show, bothers me to no end. Seems like a really gregarious, nice guy when you hear him on interviews on like Eddie Trunk's podcast, interviews 
sounds like he loves rock and roll. And then you look at his work with Rage Against the Machine and then how he can back support somebody like Roger Waters. Again, two-faced hypocrite. Tom Morello will back somebody like Roger Waters, but he'll be the first one out there to protest the government, cry racism. So anti-Semitism is okay because that's free speech. But don't you dare be a racist. How about we get rid of all forms of hate? Isn't that supposed to be the goal? Unachievable as it is, isn't that supposed to be the goal? So how about we get rid of the anti-Semites like Roger Waters on top of the racists and the homophobes and all the bigots? Don't be a hypocrite. But again, there's so many of them out there, I've lost count. A little bit of tour news to wrap up this very brief, very quick segment one here on the Fortress of Rock. A band I would love to go see in concert. Don't know if it's going to happen this year. But Queens of the Stone Age have announced their 2023 tour. North American tour with over 25 dates running from August through October of 2023. One of those bands that's on my bucket list. They're playing about two, two and a half hours away from me is the closest date. Trying to work it out, might be able to work it out, but not looking real good. But cannot wait to review the new album, In Times New Roman. And of course, later on here in just a few minutes, as a matter of fact, I will be reviewing their second single off that album, Carnivore. And then finally, as we go back and forth, back and forth, yes, pivot, pivot, pivot. Negative, positive, positive, negative. I feel obligated. Obligation is never a good thing because when you hear the term obligation, it's a chore. It's a task. It's not something fun. An obligation is never fun. If you're going to a party, it's not an obligation. It's an invitation. It's a celebration. My obligation for you this week on the Fortress of Rock is to tell you that the darkness celebrating the 20th anniversary of Permission to Land going out on tour in the U.S. in October, 15 dates in October. Why do I say this is negative? Why do I say this is an obligation and nothing more because I don't like the darkness. I don't like Justin Hawkins at all. I can't stand the fact that at the Taylor Hawkins tribute shows, Wolfgang Van Halen chose him to sing the classic Van Halen songs. This is the same guy who does his little stupid podcast and rips on Alter Bridge saying, I don't understand how this band is popular. 
because they're about 75 million times better than the darkness. How about that, Justin? That's when I lost any interest in this dude for good. Do not rip on Alter Bridge. One of the best bands out there right now. What did the darkness ever do to deserve any kind of publicity like this? What did Justin Hawkins ever do to deserve the privilege, the right to sing classic Van Halen songs alongside Eddie Van Halen's son? I think it has scarred my music soul for life that this moron has gotten, weaseled his way in to the the rock and roll upper echelon like this. Because he's another jerk. Roger Waters, Justin Hawkins, go away. Go away. We don't need you anymore. But we do need new music. We do need new rock and roll. So, coming up in segment two, we promised you a double shot, double album review, and you're going to get it. Foo Fighters and Rival Sons, two new songs as well with Extreme, and the aforementioned Queens of the Stone Age. Hang out through a very quick promo break, and I will be right back with you, kids. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket cast and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back All right, everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock, episode 95 here on June the 9th, 2023, closing in on that centennial mark. Going to hit here in midsummer. Maybe, possibly, we'll do something special for the 100th episode of the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard, as always. We called our shot, and now you get our shot, our double shot album review this week. All the new music for early summer starting to hit hard and heavy. We are going to have great album reviews for you all throughout the month of June, starting with two major album releases here this Friday. Of course, they came out last Friday but I had to have some time to listen to them. Duh. Let's start off with, unfortunately, the bad. The new Foo Fighters album. But here we are. 
complicated in a sense, simplistic in another sense, feels like a misstep for the band as they obviously are dealing with the passing of their drummer, their friend Taylor Hawkins. Ten songs. Let us begin our review of the Foo Fighters, but here we are. Now, of course, some of these songs we've already reviewed here on The Fortress. Starting with the lead-off track, Rescued. Which, again, I've talked about here a couple months ago. First single, as well as the lead-off track for the album. I was not a fan then. A little bit better now, listening to it. Dozen. 15 times at least. I still think Rescued sounds like warmed over, microwaved Foo Fighters. They they seem like they're they're kind of taking riffs from some of their older hits on Rescued. Maybe overspicing a little bit to hide the taste, the fact that this is not top level. Dave Grohl and company stuff. I'll take it. As I always say, I'll take it. It's better than 95% of the garbage out there, but doesn't really sound all that original or new. The second track on, but here we are is also the second single Again, something we reviewed here on the fortress under you, which I liked better under you still still has echoes of old Foo Fighters songs haunting the fringes. But it's better. It sounds a little bit fresher, a little bit more original than Rescued. But in the end, two songs in, you're feeling pretty good about But Here We Are. And then things kind of start to crumble. Not completely yet hearing voices is subpar um speak to me my love uh just this kind of sets the tone for most of the rest of the album uh lyrically not sharp intensity level drops a bit from here on out except for one song which we'll get to uh the title track but here we are number four out of ten better a little bit better but still not not what you would expect again i am going to hold the foo fighters to a much higher standard than i would other bands because of the greatness that I have heard from them over the last couple decades plus. The Glass, track five, again, decent, solid, but really nothing spectacular. Then we get to track six, nothing at all. This is the one song out of the 10 here on But Here We Are that we want, that we need from Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. 
Nothing at all is everything we love about the band. The clever lyrics, the intensity, little bit of tempo shifting, little bit of changing, the momentum throughout the song. Nothing at all is easily the standout track on But Here We Are. Then we get to track seven, and the last four songs really, really disappoint. Show me how not that great. I would say it's the worst song on the album, but that's coming. Beyond Me's not awful, track eight, but it's gotten a little bit better as I've listened to the album more and more. Uh, then we get to track nine. Whoo, boy. What can I say about the teacher? This is why most bands shouldn't and don't attempt long, epic songs. Because they are so hard to pull off. The rare exceptions end up becoming legends, but that's a very, very rare achievement. The teacher is over 10 minutes long. And while there are little bits and pieces of it that I liked, for the most part, this is just an overblown, overly ambitious failure. There's no reason for this song to be 10 minutes long. You probably could have distilled it down to five minutes, tightened it up, and it could have been a much better song. There's an interesting little chorus in there, little little tiny hook that if left to germinate, to grow, to become something better, the teacher actually could have been a solid song. But as it is overblown, bloated, over 10 minutes, forget it. This this right here, you get to the point where you go, I'm done with this album. And I never, ever thought I would say that about the Foo Fighters. And then it gets worse because, as I mentioned, song seven, Show Me How, isn't that great. But the, the final track, Rest, is awful. 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 Now, let me qualify it before all the Foo Fighters fanatics out there tee off on me. Number one, you have got to be fair and impartial when you look at a band that you love. You've got to call them out when they fail, when they are subpar, when they do not meet your standards, even if your standards for them are high. I don't want to hear, oh my God, how can you say anything bad about the Foo Fighters? Dave Grohl so great. Not here. Not in this instance. I wonder if he has lost his edge, hopefully temporarily, with the loss of Taylor Hawkins. But but here we are is easily the worst Foo Fighters album I have ever heard. Now, I will say this. The more I listen to it, and again, I give the Foo Fighters the benefit of the doubt. I am not just pushing this off to the side. I am not just going to abandon the band. 
because of one bad album after all the years of great albums they've given us. So I am going to listen to this, and I'm going to keep listening to it. It's getting incrementally better, but I still don't think this is going to end up being anything other than the worst Foo Fighters album ever. If they want to work through their grief, that's fine. But I told you a few weeks back with Duff McKagan and his new song. We shouldn't have to pay pay money. Give our hard-earned time up. We've got family. We've got kids, spouses, grandfathers, grandmothers, people that need our attention that we want to spend time with. So maybe even if you're listening to the album on Spotify for free, you're still wasting precious time you could be spending on something else. Even if it's a household chore that you've got to get done. That's why when I get an album like this that is so disappointing, I feel betrayed. Now, it could be for the right reasons. Again, they're working through the grief of the death of their friend. We understand it. We get it. Make it a private issue. Don't foist this on all of us. It's a healing process. This is how we heal. Are you going to give me my $13 back? And by the way, the packaging on this album is the worst ever as well. The album, the CD, I don't know about the vinyl, but the CD, all white, almost completely white, unbelievably hard to read. The track list on the back and the lyric sheet inside. Now, my daughter tells me that maybe the Foo Fighters are trying to become, at least for this album, in this instance, what she called a shoegazing band. Now, I don't know what shoegazing is, but my daughter, who's much younger than me, more in tune with, obviously, the younger generation and the newer music, showed me some album art from some of these quote-unquote shoegazing bands where they basically pick a color, and that's basically the album art. I think she said My Bloody Valentine was one of the bands. And, of course, referencing back to track seven, Show Me How, which, again, we reviewed last week here on The Fortress. I get it. His daughter singing with him. Isn't that a sweet, wonderful moment? Not for me. The song stinks. Nepotism reigns again among the celebrity class. But again, to show you the differences in the generations, my daughter, 21 years old, loves the song, Show Me How. And I despise it with a passion. But isn't it so sweet? No, it's not sweet that Dave Grohl's singing with his daughter on a song. Not when the song sucks. 
All right, let us let's get rid of the negative. Let's move on to some more positive music, a more positive review. I have been extolling the virtues of the rival sons for over a year now, ever since I saw them open for Greta Van Fleet in early 2022. The album, the new album delayed from February to June, but we finally have it. It is old school in more ways than one. Rival Sun's brand new album, Dark Fighter. Now, how is it old school, Maestro? Number one, it is short. Not like Van Halen, Diver Down short, but eight tracks checking in just over 40 minutes. And in this day and age, that is considered a short album. So one wonders why it took so long and why there was a delay in putting together eight songs. But it was worth the wait. While I cannot recommend, do not recommend the Foo Fighters brand new album, but here we are. I can wholeheartedly tell you, get out there. Grab Dark Fighter, listen to it on Spotify for free. However, you've got to get this album into your ears. Do it. Now, we've already reviewed half the album. Since it's only eight songs, you know we reviewed four singles. So let us rip through Dark Fighter. Leadoff track is Mirrors. And this is where we bring in more of the old school references not only is dark fighter a shorter album like you would have expected from an album in the 70s late 70s early 80s but there are a lot of hints among the songs here in the music stylings of late 60s early 70s sounds bands and we get it right off the gate with mirrors you get this Awesome, deep purple organ sound. Kind of sounds like John Lord, and we will get to him in a little bit. It's not entirely, pardon the pun, focused. Mirrors is a little bit haphazard, a little bit messy, but it is, it rocks. I love it. It's not the greatest leadoff track ever, but for this album, for this moment, for the Rival Sons, it works. Then, of course, we start getting into the songs, as I mentioned, that we've already talked about here on The Fortress. The first single is track two, Nobody Wants to Die. Catchy, awesome song beyond all belief. It seems like a year ago that they released this as the first single. One of the top three songs on the album, easily. Then we get Bird in the Hand. And now we're getting more along the lines of the religious references. There are a lot of religious connotations inferences throughout the album dark fighter 
bird in the hand is where that really kicks in. We start talking about miracles. Bird in the hand, of course, a little bit folksy, but it's a great, great song. Then track four is Bright Light. One of the two songs on the album that's a little weak. Little weak. But I'm not going to say any of these songs are weak. Bright Light is, again, going back to my standby cliche, better than 95% of the crap that's out there. Of course, the lyrics talk about the chorus is victim of a victimless crime. Is that self-referential is that talking about damage done to the lead singer looking at the lead singer as the character the main focus of the song if he's a victim of a victimless crime has he caused his own problems has he done damage to himself through his own actions and it's an intriguing song it's just not a highlight of dark fighter then again religion comes back with rapture a song we reviewed in the past rapture's good rapture solid then you get to guillotine track six which is growing on me this was the fourth single we just got this about a month month and a half ago it's a little bit over the top with its intensity at times in a good way. But like a guillotine, it is sharp in the end. It cuts to the bone. Am I closer to heaven or closer to hell? The ultimate question for any and all of us walking the face of the earth. Then we get to the song. I cannot believe they did not release this as a single. And this is why I love music. This is why I listen to these albums. Is because for all the singles that are released, you're waiting to find that that gem. That nugget. Shining through all the dirt and all the clutter. That here for Dark Fighter is track seven, Horse's Breath. Yes, I know. Bizarre title. And in a way, the song, if you listen to it, sounds like a galloping 70s, yes, galloping, sorry, no pun intended, 70s Western theme for a movie. Again, has a feel like Mirrors. A little bit of that, that John Lord organ Deep purple sound. Also got a little bit of that jaunty late 60s pop guitar feel to it as well. It's propulsive. It is fantastic. The chorus is an earworm. It is infinitely catchy. It is too late. Too late to turn around. The dire straits, the bleakness of that that turn of the phrase. It is too late. It's too late to turn around. You've got to listen to it in the context of the whole song. 
The drums just drive this song forward. Again, the chorus will stick in your head. This could be one of my favorite songs of the entire year when all is said and done. Horse's Breath, the best song on Dark Fighter, and was not released as a single. I can't believe it. And then we close out Dark Fighter with Dark Side. Again, we've talked about Deep Purple. We've talked about religious references here on Dark Fighter. Here we get something that sounds similar to The Doors. Rival Sons trying to channel The Doors. It's ambitious. It's over six minutes long. Not bad, but not great. Kind of like Bright Light. So you got Dark Side and Bright Light. Ironically, probably the two weakest songs on the album, but still much more interesting, again, than most of the stuff out there. So that being said, Dark Fighter, to me, even though it's short, even though it's only eight tracks, in contention for best album of 2023. Now, I know that's not saying much right now with all these disappointing releases that we've had so far, Smashing Pumpkins, Matchbox 20, and now the Foo Fighters, but at least the Rival Sons did not disappoint me on this. Dark Fighter is awesome. Check it out, kids. Two songs for you this week. Let's start off with Queens of the Stone Age, the second single off the upcoming album in Time's New Roman. This song is Carnivoyeur. Now, I loved the first single, Emotion Sickness. That is prototypical Queens of the Stone Age, quirky, catchy, creative. Unfortunately for me, at least, Carnivoyeur does not check any of those boxes. It sounds like a, a mishmash unfocused there's no there's no catchy chorus in there to dig through you sift through the sonic landscape that josh homie has set up and he does set up in most of the great queens of the stone age songs but in this case with carnivoyer you sift through it and there's just not not a lot there not really a lot there very disappointing second single after a outstanding leadoff track So, up to you. You either love or hate Queens of the Stone Age. I think they're a very polarizing band. Um, you either get them or you don't. For the most part, I get them and I love them. But, again, Josh Homme takes a lot of gambles, a lot of risks. For me... Most of them succeed, but there are the occasional clunkers. And unfortunately, Carnivoyeur is a clunker. I actually just listened to Era Vulgaris over the weekend, last weekend. And that is one of the weaker QOTSA albums. Um, kind of reminds me of, again, what we hear here with Carnivoyeur. Ambition but it just doesn't click, doesn't end up gelling, 
doesn't work, doesn't make sense. Finally, Extreme, the fourth single off the upcoming album, Six. We knew we were going to get a mid-tempo kind of wholehearted ballad, and now we've got it with Other Side of the Rainbow. It's fine. It's a competent, catchy, again, mid-tempo ballad written for the girls. Sure as heck not written for me. But, again, it's catchy enough. It's done well enough where it's not something that's going to distract me from the enthusiasm I have for the album six coming out. Oh, wait, today. Six is out right now. So you can listen to the full album on Spotify. I'm sure Pandora's got it. Wherever you listen to your quote-unquote free music, your streaming music, I will say this, and I've said it in the past, and I was trying to be patient with Extreme. Don't buy the CD. If you're one of the few, the proud like me out there who still buy CDs, don't do it. $18 for a single disc. And the price did not drop today on the release date. It's still $18 to buy Extreme's new album, Six. I will not do that. I will not. I've got a cap of about $15. That's the most I will spend on a single disc album. And it has to be somebody I absolutely love. I think the last time I did that was with the last Collective Soul album. And I had to wait and wait and wait because that was overpriced. And I finally got to the point where they dropped the price right around 15 and I pulled the trigger on it. But I will not buy Extreme for $18. I'll keep listening to it on Spotify, Pandora, wherever. iHeartRadio's probably got it. And hopefully Other Side of the Rainbow is one of the weakest songs on the album because that will mean that Six is a triumphant return to form for Gary Sharon and Nuno Betancourt and the boys in Extreme. All right, Breakdown is done. Segment two is over here on the Fortress of Rock. We're going to have an, another brief segment News of the world was a little short. Doc Brown's feeling a little under the weather. He feels like he's inhaled too much of this Canadian wildfire smoke. So we're going to take just a quick sojourn into the rock and roll time tunnel. Give you some anniversaries and birthdays here on June the 9th of classic rock moments in history birthdays, album releases, what have you. So hang out through a quick promo break again, and Doc Brown and I will be right back to take you back in time in I Want to Go Back. 
All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. <coughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Doc Brown's wheezing and choking and coughing. No rain in the forecast. At least not much up there in Canada. So all that smoke still drifting down into the United States. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, so we're going to take a quick ride in the Rock and Roll DeLorean here on the Fortress of Rock. Episode 95, June the 9th, 2023. Get Doc Brown back home soon, sooner than normal so he can rest and recuperate and get out of the toxic air. But as he's getting the DeLorean up to 1.21 gigawatts, you know I have to take care of some business. First up, could not do this podcast without sources, news sources. New release sources, concert news sources, three main sources for a lot of the stuff we talk about in segment one and here in segment three come from ultimateclassicrock.com, the Van Halen News Desk, and thisdayinmusic.com. Keep in mind, I haven't said this in a couple weeks. Better start saying it again. The ultimate disclaimer. The story ideas sometimes come from those places, but the opinions are mine and mine alone. I own them. I don't apologize for them. There's too much apologizing going on in the world. You say what you mean. For good or for bad, for better or for worse. If you don't like the fact that I hate Roger Waters, that's your opinion. Don't apologize for it. Just like I'm not apologizing for the fact that I think he's Satan incarnate. Of course, you found us somewhere. But you have options. Options are good. And you have a new option along with Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible, you can now also find the Fortress of Rock on iHeartRadio. Welcome aboard. We've been on there for a couple weeks. Glad to have that audience, that platform with us here on the Fortress of Rock. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page. As always, the weekends are fun. 
We have the Weekend Rock Project out there right now for you. We're looking for your favorite songs, your favorite rock songs with the word car in the title. Get your motor running, head out to the highway. We've done drive in the past, so drive does not count. You cannot use drive unless, like I did in my pick with the Beatles, drive my car. I used car. The drive part is not significant in that selection. I also took Wilson Pickett's Mustang Sally because you get bonus points if you pick a a song with a car make or model in the title. Then, of course, New Music Sunday, every Sunday, I will post a YouTube video, whether it's an actually fully produced video or just a lyric video, but something out there for you on Sunday, some new music, most likely something we talk about on this episode. Talk about it Friday, post it on Sunday. So definitely check out the Fortress of Rock Facebook page. All right, time for, I want to go back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Looking back at anniversaries of classic album releases and moments in rock and roll history. Let's start off with the anniversaries. As I mentioned, going to be a little short this week, a little lean, but still some good stuff. June the 9th, 1978, the Rolling Stones released their comeback album, as some call it, Some Girls. They had gone through kind of a slump for a few years. Some Girls ushered in what many call the the second great era of the Rolling Stones. It's a classic album. One of their best. Great album cover. One of the great album covers of all time. Got them into trouble because they took the images of a lot of prominent female pop culture icons of the time. And put them on the cover or very similar prototypes images of these women on the cover lawsuits were threatened do a little digging do a little research the story behind the album some girls especially the cover work the cover art is fantastic and fascinating june the 9th 1972 The boss, Bruce Springsteen, signed with the label that would end up having a very fruitful relationship with him for decades to come. That would be Columbia Records. On this day, June the 9th, 1972, Bruce Springsteen signs with Columbia Records and begins to assemble the E Street Band. Then finally, in anniversaries, going back to June the 9th, 1964, you guys know I'm I'm not a big Bob Dylan fan in terms of performer. I will not 
downplay the fact that the man is a great songwriter, historically great songwriter, but his songs are better left for other people to perform. I've talked about All Along the Watchtower and how Jimi Hendrix, Dave Matthews Band, many people have done that song so much better than Bob Dylan ever could. But it's a phenomenal, phenomenal song that Bob Dylan wrote. And another one, another great song that Bob Dylan wrote. On this day, June the 9th, 1964, Bob Dylan recorded his version of Mr. Tambourine Man. But of course, we all know that it became a huge hit for The Birds a number one song in the U.S., in fact, for the birds. All right, let's move on to birthdays here. On I Want to Go Back, June the 9th, 1967, Dean Felber. Who is Dean Felber, you might ask? Bass player for one of my favorite bands, underrated even though they had a monumental Record setting at the time, debut album, Cracked Rear View, that would be Hootie and the Blowfish. Happy birthday to Dean Felber. Hopefully, Darius Rucker will come back, bring the boys back together again for one more album, one more tour. I've seen them. They're great. seen them a couple times. Hootie and the Blowfish. Happy birthday, Dean Felber. Going back to June the 9th, 1949, George Bunnell. Interesting story about George Bunnell. One of the more prominent members of the band Strawberry Alarm Clock, who had the number one hit in the U.S., Incense and Peppermints. Very catchy song. One of my favorite songs from the late 60s. George Bunnell became the primary songwriter for Strawberry Alarm Clock after he joined, but he joined the band after the success of the song, Incense and Peppermints. So he did not have any involvement in the hit song, but then he jumped into the band and then they recorded the album put that song on the album. Very interesting story about George Bunnell. Jumping on a one-hit wonder band right after they had their one hit. <laughs> but Incense and Peppermints is an awesome song. Happy birthday to George Bunnell. We've talked incessantly, thanks to me, referencing him in the last segment on uh, Rival Sons, Dark Fighter, the sound of his keyboards, unmistakable. June the 9th, 1941, John Lord, keyboardist for Deep Purple, was born. Going all the way back to June the 9th, 1915. Yeah, we're going way back, kids. Over a hundred years. For the birthday of 
guitar legend, guitar builder, Les Paul. Of course, the Gibson Les Paul, one of the most famous guitars of all time. And then for those of you out there who are really, really old, got to give some props, consideration to the original songwriters who put together some of the greatest first hits in the history of music in America. We're going to go back to June the 9th, 1891 and say happy birthday to the great composer Cole Porter. You have to acknowledge history. In a way, people like Cole Porter, of course, people like Les Paul, influenced the greats that we grew up with. And that's going to do it for I Want to Go Back. Segment three is done. But you know we're not completely done yet. We've still got one more segment to go. A quick look in segment four at what we're going to be reviewing in the coming weeks here on The Fortress. It is time for Wrap It Up after a quick promo break. I'm the maestro, and I will be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, everybody, that is about it for episode 95 of the Fortress of Rock. couple minutes here to give you a little taste, a little preview of what we've got coming up for the rest of the month of June. In terms of albums, going to be great, going to be unbelievable. Next week, finally, after too much time off, over a decade since we heard from Extreme. The new album, Six, is out now, today as we tape. Next week, episode 96th on June the 16th, we will have our review of Extreme's new album, Six. The week after that, episode 97. June the 23rd, our review of the new Queens of the Stone Age album in Times New Roman. And then June the 30th, episode 98, 
as we close in on our centennial episode. Episode 98 is going to be pretty epic, though. All dedicated to one John Mellencamp. Or as I like to call him, just because I know somewhere, somehow, if he ever heard this, it would upset him greatly. John Cougar Mellencamp. He is not a human jukebox, by the way, if you've heard recent interviews with him. Our June the 30th episode will feature not only a review of his brand new album, Orpheus Descending, but finally, finally, the concert season kicking in here on the Fortress of Rock. You will get a review of the new album from John Mellencamp, and you will get my review of John Mellencamp at the Morris Civic Auditorium in South Bend, Indiana, live. That episode, episode 98, will be one for the books. So you don't want to miss that one. In terms of new songs, got to admit, a little sketchy right now. The albums are all out. We've been reviewing songs from albums that just came out here over the last month. So now the albums are coming out. Not a lot of new songs, at least not right now. Still looking at possibly reviewing some new stuff from the Pretenders. Really not looking forward. I just don't know, kids, if I'm going to have the stomach to review that Brian Adams anti-war song I've been talking about the last couple weeks. Got a new song from Greta Van Fleet. Third single off their upcoming album. You know I have not been impressed with the first two. The third single is Farewell for Now. I'll review it, but I, I don't have to like it. And finally, yes, I will get to Peter Gabriel. I keep saying that. Seems like a, a constant week after week statement that I have to make here at the end of every Fortress of Rock episode. But Peter Gabriel's got another new song out, Road to Joy. Just put the whole album out for the love of God. Put out I.O. Let me review the whole thing, will ya? So Road to Joy is out from Peter Gabriel. So maybe next week, maybe next week, we finally catch up with Peter Gabriel and all the singles he's released here over the last month or two that I haven't gotten to yet. That is it. The Fortress of Rock is over. Here on June the 9th. Again, had a blast. Hope you did as well. Always like doing this. Always look forward to Friday nights with you guys. But most importantly, love discussing the music that we all grew up with. Love talking about the new stuff. Love looking back at the old stuff, the history. It's always fun. It's always great. 
I hope you feel the same. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family. Tell anybody and everybody, check out The Fortress of Rock on your favorite podcast platform every Friday night. Peace out, and as always, love the one you're with. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. We will talk to you again in seven days.